This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast for visiting television, sci-fi, fantasy, and everything in between. This week, Other Space, episodes one and two. Impressive, Lipinski. That was highly unorthodox. No one's ever thought to do a clean-out burst in all the years we've done this simulation. How did you think to do that? I have allergies, and I'm also lactose intolerant, so, you know, sometimes I have these explosive sneezes. It's like a fart-sneeze combo. And so I thought, you know, what if the ship Farts sneezed. <laughs> you guys think I'm an idiot, don't you? You're making me captain of my own ship? Welcome to Continuing Drag, the podcast being acquired by Yahoo Originals for $100 million. <laughs> I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? I'm riding the intergalactic rails like the space hobos of yore. <laughs> another robot. Yeah. Another comedy robot. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're we're starting a new series this week. It's the 2015 Yahoo original Other Space. Let me ask you, and I should know the answer to this, Luke. Is this the most current show we've ever watched? It's one of them. It's it's up there. I couldn't tell you whether in humans was sooner or later. I don't mm, have that information in front yeah. of me. But it's one of our newer shows anyway. Yes, yes, 2015. It's only going back 7 years, mm-hmm. which is a long time ago. I know, isn't that crazy? It, uh, who who could imagine that seven years ago would go by so fast? I know. Now, Jordan, do you recall the show coming out? I only have the vaguest memory, which is weird because sometimes these shows we've watched that are much, much older, I know of them more than this. And I think what it is is I had never heard of Yahoo Screen before. I knew this show. I think maybe I saw, like, this show is coming out soon, and then that was all I'd heard. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, I've got a little bit of information about it, but uh, basically the show premiered on uh, Yahoo's original platform, Yahoo Originals, mm-hmm. was for their original uh, content. It, it premiered in April 14, 2015, and of course they just, as with streaming services, they all came out the same day. So really, there's not like a run of the series, right. but I, I have decided that the run of the series was from April 14, 2015 to January 4th, 2016, when uh, you to Yahoo shuttered the entire concept six yeah. months later. <laughs> and that's really all I have found on this show, really, is that regardless of what we're going to talk about, the quality of the show, or is it good or bad, really what happened is that the platform went away. Like, this show was on a platform, and the platform went away, so all their content went away. It's very impressive. They literally, uh, from what I read, they launched spring of 2015. They're like, we're going to do original content. They did... Uh, this and a few other shows actually quite a few shows were on oh, was that list. right i think i think they took on do you know that show community yes i think they they made a season of it. oh yahoo did yahoo they they brought it in did a whole season of it but anyway so think about this like probably april 2015 around when the show comes out is when they launched their original platform january 2015 so less than a year later they shuttered the whole the whole enterprise it just i'm curious just to know how it could have been going that badly apparently the the third quarter or fourth quarter results were just such uh, so abysmal they're like cut cut all of it throw it all in the trash <laughs> yeah so and this was one of the uh uh casualties of that i'm i'm shocked hulu hasn't picked anything up did you see there's another it's been picked up by dust 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 has picked this up in 2020 yes they're like they do they're like a weird s- online sci-fi they usually do, like they pick up short films like oh is that too. right i've never heard of them before i only vaguely aware of them they're kind of like um 
There's like that horror channel too. That Dusk. That's what I thought it was. It, Dusk is a horror channel, I think. Is it also a horror channel? Yeah, it's very that's funny. what I thought. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's what I thought it was. And I was like, that's weird. And I was like, no, it's Dust. And I just, I don't know what's happening. There's, there's lots of streaming services mm-hmm. out there. Um, but yes, it didn't have much of a life. I, I only have vague, probably recollections of the idea that Yahoo had started doing comedy. Mm-hmm. That and like, I, I think I mostly knew this existed because two of the leads at the time anyway were both in uh, insurance commercials. So <laughs> that's funny. I mostly knew them as the faces of insurance companies, I think. That's funny. Um, but really not much to report. Even I even went on Wikipedia to t- see what I could tell you about April 2015. Nothing happened that month. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, really. A real quiet month in April. Oh. I think there was something at the start, something at the end, and nothing in the middle. I'm like, all right, well, quiet month. Too bad more people didn't watch the show then. They had the time, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> but no one was still interested for some reason. Mm. Well, let's just get into it then. Yeah, let's do it. Here's the IMDb summary for episode one, Into the Great Beyond, dot, 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 beyond. Mm-hmm. You're going beyond, beyond. Mm-hmm. Isn't that a Star Trek? Star Trek Beyond, Beyond? <laughs> one of the sequels? <laughs> is it? No, it's, oh, oh yeah, you're right, it is. Star Trek be, yeah, is, Beyond something. There's Star Trek Beyond Darkness, maybe? Yeah. No, it's Into Darkness. There, I think there's Star Trek Beyond and Star Trek Into Darkness. Here's what I remember. Not very good. Oh, this, this, one of them's the one with it's got the extreme sports in it, where they're all riding motorcycles. <laughs> I think they all do. <laughs> they're a little fast. They're yeah, a little furious. Yeah, that's right. All right, here's the uh, here's the summary that I was starting. <laughs> Young Stuart Lipinski, mm, Lipinski, interesting, interesting pronunciation, is made captain of an exploratory space mission into space. Ellipses. <laughs> Well, this is rough. <laughs> his older sister, Karen, is made his second-in-command and is none too happy about it when their ship and crew stumble into a different universe with no way home. Stuart and Karen have to figure out their differences in order to survive, and that was courtesy of Anon. That's pretty much it. It's I not mean, bad. It's a yeah. good summary. I mean, it's it's something you kind of seen before, and it re- this, is, this pilot really acts as, as a pilot to set it up, which yeah. is what you said, which we're going to get is there is a group of very green uh what do you call them uh, cadets we'll cadets. Call them cadets and on their first mission they are essentially sent to another universe they get voyagered yeah exactly it's yeah star trek voyager and now they're unprepared both in terms of their supplies and in terms of their abilities and their emotions and and <laughs> but it's done for comic effect this is a uh 22 minute comedy this is very much in the vein of a come home mrs noah or uh yes or yes. what's the other one the space garbage man oh quark quark yes this would probably be weirdly so we're in season four doing this podcast and this is our third comedy sci-fi show i would say definitely in that vein yeah i will say they're all probably equivalent into how not funny they are <laughs> but because this is so recent there's no fun in the nostalgia of it either because like the effects are just like fine well, yeah well i mean th- this show well, we can talk about it as we go it'll be a little rough these first couple episodes i think it's purposely low budget like i mean i this show does not have a big budget no i think these special effects like the sky and the, the uh, space stuff look great well it's kind of the thing is i think all of these comedy sci-fi shows we've watched the, the things they have in common is they're low budget and they're not very good necessarily mm-hmm but the problem with this is they're low budget in a period of time where low budget can still buy you like very slick effects. Right. So it's not the effects end up not being that fun. Right. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. But I don't I think this um this sort of look of everything everything in the ship is very white. But yes. it, it I would say looks more like original Star Trek than anything else like the way the kind of bridge is outlined and uh or, or laid out I should say and the sort of 
consoles and stuff have buttons and things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, it's very it's very clean. It's very uh, like white. Yes, and I think if you think about Star Trek and that sort of that's what this is. I wouldn't say quite uh, parody, but there's like a sort of a loving pokes at that those sorts of yeah, shows. Yeah, I mean and that's scenarios. the world it's living in. It begins, yeah. in fact, with a classic Kobayashi Maru. Exactly. Yeah. Where a Stuart Lipinski, uh, this goofy cadet who's getting to play captain in a simulation, he he gets he's he's running the ship. He comes on. He's brought hot dog for the crew to share, to like Bruce morale. Got a plate of hot dogs. Yeah. Well, I'll mention a couple things. First, I should say, which we didn't mention, this is a time period where everything was sort of shot in that office modern family sort of pseudo docu single single cam single cam like a lot of push-ins a little bit of uh that, that it's that style this doesn't have talking heads but it's that style of filming but so yeah this main guy who's our captain is uh Stuart Lipinski and he's sort of like overly nice guy seems real sort people of, pleaser real people pleaser seems to sort of like bungle his way into success yeah 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 i mean in fact in this time uh, what happens in the in this si- this simulation is an ion asteroid is on a collision course to the thing it's supposed to be a not quite no win but a very difficult situation for a cadet to get out of and um he comes up with a strategy in the moment to send a uh, a fuel cleanup burst through the forward venting tubes destroys it um and he was inspired by his own explosive sneezes with this plan uh, sneezes mm-hmm. he refers to as jordan fart sneezing fart sneezing yeah the comedy has never been higher. Yeah. Now, I'll say this right off the bat. I think the show's very cute. Mm. And so I found it probably more charming than you did. I did not find it charming. No, I don't think it's hilarious by any sense. But I find it all very gentle. So it's like, I think... It I feels think, like the first draft of a sketch comedy. Yeah, there's a little bit of that. Yeah. I mean, again, I think we're probably going to end... I, I'll say, I, the stuff I saw, some people hate this show and I hate some it. people love it though yeah i don't hate this show i think it's all good intentioned now i would say seven out of ten jokes don't really work but it, i think i think three of them will it is i think one of these shows i think the best way to describe it is like it is a it's gag comedy so everything is just to sell a gag or to do a punchline. It's not a character comedy. It's it's not like yeah. The Office in that way. It's not a thing where you're supposed to get to know these characters and get to like them. No, they're, they're character types, and you know what their response is going to be based on their very rigid limited, yeah, yeah, limited range. And which is I, why I probably will dislike it more. Is like I just I am not a fan of this style. Of okay, I I'll tell you. There's a joke that came up though, and it's stupid and did make me laugh. Which is very soon when. So what's going to happen is these. Uh, um, so I'll, I'll go through. It. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. He he succeeds. Lipinski succeeds at this thing. So uh, the brass comes in, of course, walks in. They're the the universal mapping project. Is this is the right. UMP the UMP they work for, which is. Um, I guess some sort of Federation style. Like they have Federation style uniforms, but w- as they're described, they sound a little more similar to like a semi-privatized NASA. Seems yeah. to be what it is. Yeah, I think it's like a bunch of either um, not exactly countries, but corporations have sort of banded together to create this sort of. You're right, a NASA that goes out to explore space. Yeah, they're like mapping the universe, yeah. and it was it was created uh, to honor the end of um, the 2054 U.S. Switzerland War. Yeah hilarious yeah. stuff in here. I mean, that was a uh, comeback Ms. Noah gag. That joke Th- right yeah, there. Yeah, 100%. It is just yeah. like, what's two funny countries who could have had a war together? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. that's that's this is the, what this show's up to. Yeah. Um, they need some good publicity because things have not been going well for the UMP. People don't really care about them. They're not selling mugs anymore, we're told. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're going to give Stuart the rank of captain and give him the command of the UMP cruiser, which I guess is a famous starship. Been around for years. Stuart used to have a model of it when he was a kid, so he's very excited to do it. Uh, and they also tell him that only the other person who's passed this simulator, this very difficult simulator, was his sister, 
Karen Lipinski has mm-hmm. also passed it. But the UMP brass is a little afraid of her because she's kind of intense. So they've yeah. decided to make her his second in command. And that's going to lead to all kinds of family, family yeah. squabbles. So it's like she's the real like star of the family, but he gets all the credit because things sort of fall into his lap. He's friendly. <laughs> yeah, he's friendly. And she's not. And then we're, of course, taken to the UMP cruiser to meet the crew. And we'll just go through all the crew. But now. let me just mention real quick the joke you didn't have. Oh, mention, did I miss a good joke? It's not even that. I just, I find it was cute. And it's when they're first telling him he gets his captaincy and they're talking about how in the past, and they said, and back in the past, everyone used to wear ties instead of these collar balls. And oh, everyone yeah. just has collar balls around their neck. It's not a good joke. I just, I don't know why collar balls was amusing to me. Well, that wasn't even the joke, because that that's just the setup for the guy walking in and said, I couldn't find my balls. Yeah, I know. That didn't that didn't interest me. I just like that instead of ties, they had people wearing balls around their that's, neck. That's what this is. It's just like, it's not like, <laughs> the joke isn't that they're wearing balls around their neck. It's just so someone can say the word ball. That's true. Anyway, it's fine. Jordan's loving it. <laughs> I'm not loving, I just, again, there's nothing mean-spirited about this show. You know, there's that nothing. That is true. There's, there's nothing, Um, it's just like, it, we have a silly time in space and i'm kind of just like all right a silly time in space that's all right their greatest aspirations are not that high that is true you i mean know? they have a, they have a good cast that's not being well utilized so yeah and that's it almost everyone, as you're gonna go through the cast almost all of them are quite likable performers yeah yeah uh the first we'll talk about is the ship's computer named natasha yeah it's it's a woman who only appears in like an L, uh, like an led screen that's just sort of on the wall like a tv is mounted to a wall and then yeah. she walks onto it and a uh, little thing i did find about this her character is you're gonna find she's like, like an ai and the robot we're gonna meet later both of them were filmed on a soundstage beside the stage so they did it live i was wondering yeah so it's not a thing so when she's responding to the thing she was doing it live with a, a monitor so she could so I, I was trying to delay decide if it was a time delay that was happening or if it was like separately recorded so i wasn't sure yeah it's a little bit of a time delay but yeah so it's i mean it's pretty some, close though it's not terrible Yeah, there's something interesting about the way they did it because this is supposed to be a bit of an ad-lib show i don't know how much ad-libbing is i don't think there's a lot there's not a lot but yes those characters are done live you know how i can tell there's not a lot the long silent pauses that happen a lot <laughs> yeah but she uh she appears on these screens she is dressed provocatively as a, a woman who's dressed pretty provocatively because as we're told she's designed to be just the right level of sexually attractive to the captain mm-hmm. v- very much a mrs noah style or a quark style joke yeah it is and i think again i uh, this is what i was just like the, the comedy level like yeah, lives. I, again i think it was a bit of a a joke, or sort of a 1960s Star Trek thing of like how women are portrayed. I think there's supposed to be a tongue-in-cheek thing. Whether they pull it off or not, I don't quite know. But I, I don't think it's, you know, it's not, it's not it's as not like, racy as the 70s yeah, shows. Yeah, it's not like she keeps coming up in smaller outfits. She always just wears a little dress. Yeah, yeah, she's always a little provocatively yeah. dressed, but not too provocatively because yeah. the whole thing is. She has to be sexy enough that the captain wants to impress her, but not sexy enough that she wants to. He wants to sleep with her. That's right. <laughs> Which I'm just like, what? Yeah, I know. Uh, there is the navigator of the ship, Tina Shushin. Shushin. Yeah. Shushin. She's not qualified, but she was in school with the captain. Captain Stewart has a huge crush on her, and this is his way of separating her from her boyfriend, so that she can fall in love with him. Yeah, a real toxic way of going about things. Uh, always, always something you want. Always something you want to cheer for in your lead. Yeah. Oh, and let me just say right now, we mentioned this just before we start rec- recording. I have the worst time remembering these characters' names, and it's because they're generic, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tina. Stuart, Karen, uh, Karen, Michael, Tina. It's like, I just can't remember these characters' names. Anyways. Well, let's, let's move on. There's there's Michael Newman. He's the third in command and former babysitter of both Stuart and Karen. Yeah. Who He has the least character. Like, the joke here is that he, when they were growing up, we see a flashback, and he wanted to be a captain. 
and now he is serving underneath two kids he babysat. And that is the extent of that joke. Yeah, he's constantly kind of given this false hope that maybe he'll be in charge, and then he gets pushed back down. That's what the gag is. That's that's the gag. And uh, I wanted to make note, uh, he is actually... That's the thing, is I feel that there's potential here that never was realized, because this actor is in another comedy, Mm. uh, The Good Place, playing Pillboy, and he's very, very funny in that. And so, like, I think they've put a good team together. I think almost it's all of these, all of these actors have gone on to something else. Like, it's one of these, like, oh, this is a really well-cast show. And I, I would agree, maybe the material is not quite up to snuff, but but I think all of them are giving it their all. Yeah, Tina's in that comedy, Werewolves Within. She's, like, the star of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was lots, okay. of people, uh, lots of people out there doing stuff. Uh, then we have the science officer, Kent Woolworth. Mm-hmm. He is the son of the chairman of the UMP. And his mom got him this job so she could turn his room into a Pilates studio. Um, also, there's a thought that he's sexually attracted to his mom yeah. and wants to sleep with her. And also, at the end of his meeting him, he says, also, I cannot tell a lie. And I don't know if that's going to be a character trait for the rest of the show. Or yeah, they sort of have him like, and I, this is going to maybe sound bad. They sort of have him like almost like he's somewhat on the spectrum in terms of how he. Yeah, they're really just like, he's a real weirdo, everybody. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, and then there's the chief engineer, Zalian Fletcher. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the only experienced member of the crew. He's been on the cruiser since it was commissioned. Um, but as we're told right off the bat, the engine radiation has essentially turned him into a uh, some sort of insane man. It's played by Joel Hodgson. He's like a like a hippie who smoked too much pot. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly his character. Yeah. Um, and of course, Zalian has also brought aboard a stowaway since he's so since he's so wacky, a robot named Art or A R T. He's uh, how would you describe him? Um, sort of a boxy. I think it has wheels is what it rolls on. Sort of like a large. Uh, it's like box. a microwave, like about the size yeah, of a microwave. I think he's supposed to look like you would see something from a '60s uh, mm-hmm. uh, thing. Like he's he looks more like. R2-D2 than he looks like yeah, he's C-3PO. Little metal box on wheels that's got like a little LED mouth that can move and then mm-hmm. like two googly eyes. He actually looks very much like something from Mystery Science Theater. Yes, and uh, you're probably howling when you, when they find him and he wake him up and he says his first line, can't you see I'm dreaming of electronic sheep here? I understand the reference, but I didn't get what the joke was though. That you, re- you understood the reference. I see. That okay. was the joke. Yeah, all right. Uh, anyway, the crew departs on their mission. Uh, only Captain Stewart is happy to be there, though. Everyone seems pretty put out to be on this mission. Yeah. Um, and soon, uh, very soon into it, they discover that the food tank on the ship, which is, I guess, what the replicator uses to make food, um, I guess expired 35 years ago. So uh, there's a bit of back and forth here where we realize Zalian, with his mush brain, forgot to replace it. But he's just like, don't worry, I brought all this fudge with us. Yeah, so the joke is that... <laughs> I, I know it's not a good joke. The joke is that they realize they don't have any food, but what they do have is a way too much they got a lot of fudge, fudge which obviously won't. There's nothing much funnier good. than saying fudge. Yeah. I should say, though, there's a speech the captain gives, and apparently like the motto is, let us sail to the stars. Oh, right. That's right. That he, when he's trying to pep them up, he's like, yeah. that's their motto. That's the motto. Anyway, uh, Captain Stewart basically he begrudgingly is ordering them back to. T- they got to turn around. They got to get food. They can't do this mission. He's he's a little embarrassed. He doesn't really yeah. want to do it. But whatever. Yeah, they've just left and they realize like two minutes after they left. Oh wait, we don't have what we need. Yeah, and uh, and it's just sort of proving to him what everyone else already knows. This is a this is a bad mission. But as they turn around, they get sucked into some sort of gravitational field. Mm-hmm. And we see them go through a bit of a wormhole, or as we're told, a rupture between universes. Mm-hmm. Uh, where we briefly see them turn into babies. I actually thought that was cute. It was something like 
we've seen before in time travel like what happens and so they do this thing and it's not a really good gag but they all turn into kids for a moment and then the computer turns into pong did you see that oh is that what it, I, I saw yeah. the robot turn into so like a pile the, of nuts and bolts yeah so the joke of the other the ai turning into the most basic computer which was pong and it's pong. like yeah all right sure sure why not uh, and they pop back out as their regular selves and uh, discover they've entered an alternative dimension and there's no way home um yeah. A lot of everyone's upset. Uh, Captain Stewart and his sister, uh, Karen. Karen. Yeah. She can't take her little brother's bumbling anymore. So she basically uh, does a mutiny. She's taking control of the ship. She's taking over. She, yeah. It, like, it didn't take very much. She's sort of like high stress all the time. And this was enough that she's like, we're never going to get through this with him. So I'll be in charge. And at that exact moment, Jordan, suddenly all those UMP brass who walked out during the last simulation walk out and say, congratulations, you passed the simulation. Mm-hmm. It was another simulation. It was all another simulation to see who was the best captain. Yeah. Now, Jordan, did you buy this or did you not buy this? I did not buy it. I also did not buy it, but I was vaguely like, oh, I hope this is the case. I don't want them to be in another dimension. Yeah. Oh, did you? No, I, I, I was pretty sure when they went through a dimension that we're Some, never coming back. Yeah, and something weird was going to happen. Well, you're right. I, I, I also had that suspicion, but I was hoping... I, For some reason, I don't want to see them living in another dimension. I feel like it's going to get too wacky. You don't want a Voyager. Oh, it's uh, 100% it's going to get wacky. Um, but, of course, these brass congratulate Karen on successfully passing the real simulation. She'll be the captain now. And then every member of the crew uh, starts getting like their true wishes happening to them. Like This is the thing that makes it very obvious. Is The robot is like... But it's not clear that's what it is right away. No, no. Well, I mean, sort of. Like, one of the brass walks in, she's like, I've got this set of treads. Do you want to buy them from me, robot? And the robot's like, yes. I tricked her. I gave her $20, but it's worth 200 on eBay. So, like, the robot's excited about these treads. Zalian finds a fish sandwich on the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kent I have gets to, say, to make out with his mother. Yeah, There was a gag later when they go, your wish is just have a sandwich on the floor. And he said, not just on the floor. And I did that. That was, I thought that was It doesn't funny. have to be on the floor. Yeah, I thought that was a funny joke. There's, there. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm not all of them work, but let's give credit. Some of them are funny. Oh, one and that 20, was a funny one joke. One in 20. Yeah. I would say three to ten. Three out of ten. Wow, you're giving a much higher yeah. r- r- uh, rating of this. Good, yeah. good for you. Because oh, a, th- a one out of twenty. That's what half out of ten. <laughs> it's better than that. Well, we'll find out. But that would be a risk. Yeah. Um. What else? Tina's boyfriend proposes to her because she loves her boyfriend so much. And then there's another Tina on the bridge who says she loves the Captain Stewart, and he's like, "Oh, this is awesome." And I think that's the point where you really get you get the idea that something's not right because if you, you have two Tinas. If you have not clued in when someone yeah. found a sandwich on the ground, you're really cluing in when you see two Tinas. Though mm-hmm. the crew does not immediately when they see two Tinas. Mm. Uh, what else? Oh, the computer wins the Nobel Prize. Yeah. Which, okay. And then... Uh, they some, didn't know what to do for a computer. Someone is just kind of like sort of nice to uh, Michael the Third in Command. And that was his biggest dream. Yeah. Anyway. He's long-suffering. Long-suffering. This all amounts to like the captain does finally like realize like something's not quite right here. Mostly because the uh, UMP brass is trying to convince Karen to like leave through the airlock so that they can go celebrate her captainhood. Yeah, what he's realizing is as soon as they open that airlock, it's not going to open out to the ship like they think it is. Like the command center, it's going to open up to space. They're all get sucked out and die. I, I will say this is maybe was the joke that was my favorite one that they didn't. I think they didn't do properly, but I thought was the a great idea. Is the captain starts trying to explain to the crew that you guys, it's not a simulation. It's a simulation of a simulation. Like he starts trying to like do yeah. a who's on first about simulations. They give up on it too quickly. I think there was something there, but it mm. was funny to me. Like it's a simulation of a simulation. He stops them by when when Karen's going to go push the airlock button. He runs up and hits another button, which I guess sounds the red alarm. Yeah. Loud alarms go off, and all of the like people who have materialized on the ship suddenly like 
vaporize into like little a little light wisp and fly away because it's too loud for them. For whatever reason, much like Kolchak and his uh, flash on his camera, it's exactly what is needed. It's to, exactly uh, what yeah. save, saves the day. So yeah. they drive off this alien entity, and the episode kind of ends with the crew uh, as depressed as ever, being stranded in an alternate dimension, and the captain trying to cheer them up by reminding yeah. them that they're explorers here to explore the world, and that they will now get the chance to explore this quote other space Mm -hmm. if you're wondering where the title comes from and they sort of they kind of make the joke that not only that are they they're sort of unprepared they're also sort of the crew is sort of uninquisitive yeah this is not a crew cares yeah they're all just like he's like guys we can rename things and they're like what would you rename that star and they're like new star like it's that kind of yeah 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 it's like they all name the things after themselves yeah and uh, as the credits start to roll Actor Dave Franco suddenly walks into the set and says, hey, it's me, Chad. I work down in auxiliary deck. Has anything been happening? Yeah. Whoa. And you're like, is he going to be a new character? I was like, he's not going to be a new character. He's back next episode, though. Yeah, he is. I was just like, oh, dear. Well, no, so let me just, before we get into episode two, in terms of a pilot, we've seen lots of pilots. How do you think this operated as a pilot in terms of just structurally setting up a show? I mean, it perfunctorily works. Yeah. In that, like, it is just, like, th- if you wrote down how a pilot should work, is just, like, meet your character, yeah. set up the premise, meet every single side character, and then close out with them in the, like, pickle that will be the rest of the series. I would agree. It yeah. does all, it, like... It, do- it does everything you need to form- do for It's very a formulaic. Yeah. It knows the formula. <laughs> and how well it works, I think, depends on who your person... Personality, I, I, personality, I think, I, is better. Yeah, and I, again, I'm not a huge fan of a lot of... Th- this type of comedy and i think in some ways this is sort of a precursor to uh what's the 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 orson what's that show called the orwell the orwell now they're not the same type of show but i think it's a earlier version of let's not take the sci-fi adventures too seriously let's have a joke whether they the execution is the same is another conversation but i think it's an earlier attempt at that yeah i mean i i would draw a straight line between quark mrs noah and this like they're they're all the same level of preparation and like they are they're all like what do we do let's make a sci-fi comedy what do you want to do about it? it's like i don't know let's do a bunch of jokes about like how silly this is yeah okay yeah but do you think though again i don't think there's any bad intentions in this show and and i don't think i don't think any of those other shows had bad intentions they were just of their time right Right. And I think I think I'm sure I don't think there's any bad intentions in this one. And like, it's not as nearly as offensive as those other ones. Right. But I still th- but I think we've already pointed out just like the the captain bringing his like it's already like what? How are we supposed to like even seven years later? It's like that's not a great like he stole the girl from another man. So yeah. She could force him to I'm like like what? A, like I'm like that was dated when they made the show, but they still chose to make that the primary trait of the captain. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. But they picked a very likable man to play him. So it's like easy to be on his side. Right. But it's a pretty sloppy little, sloppy little motivation. I I would say that of these first two episodes, sloppy is a good way to say it. Again, I'm, I think we'll find out. I'm a little more forgiving than you are on this, but it's, it's sloppy. There's no question about it. Yeah. It's, it's a sketch that barely got written. (laughs) So episode two, getting to know you. I need to be summary. Here we go. The second risk is malnutrition. According to my calculations, an all-fudge diet will lead to death within a matter of weeks. Won't happen, but even if it does, what a way to go. According to my calculations, it would be dreadful. Okay. Rampant sores, hallucinations. Mm -hmm. In a last-ditch attempt to survive, your body would try and start to digest its teeth. Oh, God. Uh, Excuse us for a second. (laughs) In an attempt to raise the morale of his frightened and fudge-ridden crew, 
Stuart initiates a bonding session that devolves into icebreaker games when Karen discovers that one of the crew members is actually an alien whose implanted memories in their heads, they play a high-stakes game of Mafia to weed out the intruder. Now, that was from Anon again. I don't know how you felt about this. In terms of, I agree with everything you said in terms of the, the setup of the pilot and how it was structurally what you need a pilot to do. Now, now, maybe not going past that in terms of like doing something interesting with it, but I would say getting all the beats and they wanted to do, they did a better job in the pilot than, than in this episode, I would say. This felt like they were trying to jam in more, and it's like they didn't have enough time. Now, whether that makes for a better episode or not, we'll discuss, but this I was just like, oh, you guys are running out of time immediately. Yeah, I mean, this is... We'll get into it, I guess, but this is very funny because this is goes, and it gave me a real sense of what the show's going to be because it's not that they're retconning characters, but they're just, like, largely recreating character backstories or, like, making up variations as needed for like what kind of jokes they want to tell. Right. In the show's defense, and that's, I think this was going to be this is, I think they're written as two dimensional as possible. So they can just yeah add, just add when necessary. They'll add on stuff as required. And it's really not about what the characters do. It's more just like, what's the gag this week? I mean, I'll argue, is that any different than Star Trek Discovery? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. These characters are as three dimensional as Star Trek Discovery's <laughs> characters. You so know. you love this show. Uh, oh, <laughs> no. But I'm just saying, I'm just, you know, we're talking about a, a show that has, you know, maybe not aged as well in seven years. I'm like, but this is as clumsily written as Star Trek Discovery, which is a huge budget show that people Oh, this like. is a big budget, I think, too. Do you think so? I actually do. Hmm. And I only think that because of who created it. Oh, because Paul Feig created it? Yeah, Paul Feig. Yeah, maybe. Which, is Paul Feig of not a good? <sighs> it's a larger conversation. Geeks, right? I know. He had some real home runs early on, and I feel like almost... There's like a post Ghostbuster era or something where it's just like, oh. Well, it's funny. I looked at his resume and obviously bridesmaids. I, know, I love bridesmaids. I know, but I looked at his writing resume and it's actually after Freaks and Geeks. It's very empty actually. Mm. So I I I was just like, oh, is he? I guess I don't know him really as a writer. Is maybe the thing. Yeah. He became a big director. Did mm -hmm. he? Because I don't think he wrote Bridesmaids, did he? No, I think he just directed. I could be wrong, but I think he just directed it. I was shocked when it, when it, when the credits rolled and it said created by Paul Fig. I was just like, oh, why is he bad? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, this episode starts with a crew briefing where Karen, the second in command, tries to lay out the five ex existential risks the crew is facing. And here are the five, Jordan. I'm mm -hmm. sure you wrote them down, but I'll give them to mm -hmm. you. Jordan's just phased out. No, no, I, I didn't write them down. I remember uh, the basic part of the scene before you give them is that she is very concerned as to the level of danger they have. She wants and, to keep them alive. And, and she's, yeah, and she's doing it in a very administrative sort of matter of fact way. Business, yeah. all business. And, and the captain, Stuart. Stuart, is really, again, like you said, he's people pleasing. So he really wants to give them news. How do we in, make this fun? Exactly. In the lightest way possible so people aren't more down than they are. Anyway, so what are the, what are the five? Attack by unknown entity. Yep. Malnutrition, right? Loss of hull integrity. Is that an? I don't. I, this is where it started getting less existential. Yeah. Uh, risk of unknown pathogen. Yeah. And collective lack of training. Yeah, yeah. Um, They're not existential, but. And then uh, one of the gags that worked for me in this episode was when she puts on a video called "Die Like a Winner," which <laughs> is just a video about how to face a no-win situation. Yeah. And is this where we see the cauterizer? Yeah, I think the only thing we see in the video is like, check out this cool scalpel that can cut off a useless limb. And then like you just hear screams and everyone's like, oh, no, look what we're watching. Yeah. Did you think it was going to come back? I did not. But I 
wasn't paying attention. Yeah, I, I was pretty sure it was going to come back. I it mean, just seemed like, again... It was it, so pointed, and the only yes. part of the video we saw that I, when she pulled it out later, I was like, not surprised. I'm like, yeah. all right. Let me, let me put it this way. I didn't spend a lot of time thinking, thinking about, about it. This fair show. enough, fair enough. Uh, anyway, everyone agrees Karen is a bummer. Yeah, and like, that they are all depressed. Yeah, like we have a scene right after this where she goes to speak to Zalian, who's the, is he the engineer? What is he? Yeah, he's the engineer, and he basically is wanting to write letters to his family saying like goodbye, goodbye. And she convinces him this is no time because they're never going to get your letter anyway. So why don't you fix the ship? Which is correct, but to Stuart's point, she's a little bit she uncaring. doesn't have people skills. She doesn't have people skills. Yeah, but it's also this comedy show. She's supposed to be this like really rigid person. She's not that unlikable. No, I, I know, you know what I mean. It's very funny. I know. So. Well, that's kind of the. It, all the characters are very likable. They've cast very likable yes. actors in every role, so that the ones that are supposed to be unlikable are just like, well, she's not that pre- bad. Pretty likable. Yeah, she, her requests are very reasonable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Captain Stewart, he wants to cheer up the crew because they're feeling so down. So he calls a big meeting. He even found a, a food generator so right. they can have some food. Though the only problem is the hydration function doesn't work. Yeah, so it spits out pills, which is this was. 100% a cork joke. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, so it's 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 a machine that sort of looks like a large toaster oven of some sort or like a 3D printer, and it spits out what you think, like a little aspirin, which yeah. our food, they sort of eat them, but it doesn't actually taste like the food because it hasn't been hydrated. It just tastes like... It doesn't, yeah. yeah. And later they'll they'll fix it by pulling the hydration unit out of the spa, I guess, on mm-hmm. the ship, and then it actually makes food just fine. Well, it's, it's because they don't really want this to be a problem. They want it to be a joke. Now, does the joke really work? Meh. But they, they they've they, they've run out of they've run out of jokes about the broken food tank and fudge. So now yeah. they fix the problem. Yeah. Well, but uh, but I'll say this to the show. This is a similar thing that Star Trek Voyager did, which is they their replicators mm-hmm. weren't working because they needed something for Neelix to do to be a cook. Now they pulled that out way longer than this show did. But it's the same idea, just from a different perspective. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, the, they they need a joke in the first episode of them having no food and all they have is fudge. And because it's made in 2015, it has to be serialized. So now, like, they're like, oh, we solved this fudge problem. And they're yeah. like, oh, we solved it. Uh, you know, then they're not worried. They're not like, I hope no one asks about that food tank. They're just like, we don't we don't care. We're done with this joke now, so we'll yeah. move on. Yeah, Which you can't fault them. Like, that's the show. Well, that's the thing. Because, like, you know what? It would be a hindrance. To be, like, is it going to be that every time they come to a planet, they have to find food? That's not what they want to do. So. They're like, yeah, we fixed it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's one thing I find strange is like why they wanted this light serialization on a show where they would rather throw things away. It's an interesting choice. Oh, I, I I would imagine it's part of the mandate. I think it's just right. We, we like you and I were just discussing before we recorded. We were just talking about TV, Every, everything. TV general, everything just serialized now, whether it needs to be or not. And that's and it, I would agree. It doesn't help this show. This show should be like original Star Trek. You come in, you have an adventure. Do a mission. Move yeah, on. Yeah, move on. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Karen thinks this whole like team building exercise is a waste of time, so she's going to leave and just do the inspection of the ship because that's what she thinks they need to do. And as she does it, she finds a, a weird ooze trail moving around the ship, and the ooze mm. trail like goes to a computer, and something's accessed their computer. And as she follows the ooze trail using a black light, it becomes the ooze trail forms into human footprints, and they realize someone on the ship is actually an ooze monster. <laughs> I thought at first it was going to kind of be an episode like, um, what's the uh, Kurt Russell... The thing I thought it was going to be a little bit of a thing episode, and it sort of is, but it, not really. It is funny because there's a few things that you think it might be, yeah, and then it doesn't go into that. Like, because basically what happens is back at that meeting that the captain's having with the crew, um, we get some great backstory about the computer Vanessa. She's telling them her life story. Oh yeah, what was it? Did I write she it was down? Formerly a hospitality bot on the Hooters Casino space shuttle. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, but she was sold at UPM with a bunch of ellipticals. That's right. Yeah, I didn't write it down because it was 
it was pointless. It, was it a- doesn't. It's just you're right. It's they've added a backstory because it's a joke. The joke doesn't necessarily work. I can't so, wait to hear where she worked before at, before she worked on her. Right. So it's like it doesn't really matter to things. It, it's probably a uh, an issue with this show is that the jokes don't take you anywhere. Mm-hmm. They don't really teach you about the character. They don't really progress the plot. And sometimes, uh, yeah, I know you're being harder than I am. Sometimes they do work. It's just that even when they work, it is in the end just a joke. They think the premise of people stuck in space is funny enough to hold it up, and it sometimes is, but not m- the more than not, it's not. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we get these little bits, and the crew basically has decided to do what is I think was supposed to be the framing device of this episode that they give up on yes, instantaneously. I would agree. Was that the crew is going to play a game of mafia to like have some fun together that's what they're going to do and then they're very quickly realized after tina hands them all a laser gun for the game of mafia they're going to use these li- their actual laser mm-hmm. guns as props that one of them is really an alien so yeah. it's it's a it's a high stakes game of mafia as the synopsis said except they give up on the concept of like playing a game of mafia i agree yeah it's weird but they still want to have this thing where they kind of go through people because like we're going to get to a scene where like they sit in a chair and sort of like they give reasons why yeah. they're why they're human but it, it doesn't really work <laughs> it doesn't give any depth to the character yeah That's interesting jordan have you ever played a game of mafia i don't think i have i know of it when she said it i knew of it but i, c- I can't remember a time playing it have you played it a lot i've, pl- I've played a game of mafia yeah. before I was and, and the point is like one of you is a killer I, two of you are mafia members who are killing off the townsfolk. I see. And then one of you is a detective who has to arrest the mafia members. And right. as you, everyone puts their heads down and like, you have to, the people pick people to kill and you have to f- like figure out who's doing it. Basically. You know what I used to like? Remember that heads up, seven up? Remember that? You ever play that when nope. you were a kid? What's that? <laughs> you just put your head down and you put your hand up and someone touches and you got to guess who touched your hand. I think that's it's kind of similar. It's kind of similar. Yeah. I, but that's, that's for like five-year-olds, you know? Right, right, right. Anyway. Anyway, they're now kind of aware because uh, Karen comes back in and tells them, it's like, hey, someone here is secretly an alien. And the crew is like, what are we going to do? Let's let's all go into another room and interrogate each other. And then whoever's the alien will throw it in the airlock. And Karen, of course, again, is just like, this is dumb and not helpful. I'm going to go look in everyone's quarters and see if I can find any clues. Yeah. And I did think this was kind of a funny little thing. They all go, well, it must be Karen. Let's just kill her. Like their response is to kill. Now, again, they're playing the joke that they're all not very good at their job and they all jump to conclusions. If only the response was it's Karen, let's kill her. Because what we get is several sequences where everyone gets to be interrogated. That's true. Uh, uh, Michael, third in command, gets interrogated and they decide he could be the alien because he's very dull. Mm hmm. Uh, and then Tina gets interrogated, and she smiles a lot, so she could be the alien. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zalian gets put on the stand, and he just starts talking about all the ways he could be the alien because he's a stoner, and all he thinks about is stoner logic. Uh, and then they try Karen in absentia, and the robot art says, well, it's got to be Karen because Karen sounds like alien. And then they do a whole joke about it. Isn't that, isn't that true? Doesn't Karen I forgot like about that. I forgot about that. That's true. Although I think there's an ending joke where they're like, right, Zalian? And I'm just like, I'm like, all right. Yeah. Again, you're right. I think the framing device of the show was going to be one thing. And I don't know why they kind of abandoned it. Because now at this point, they sort of spin their wheels a little bit. Because like, it's very clear who the alien is. We haven't talked about it because Chad, Dave Franco is just hanging out this whole episode. It's clear before the episode even starts, there's this weird guy here and a weird thing has happened. You know, because Chad, yeah. Fr- Dave Franco's not in the credits, that he's not sticking around. Yeah, so it's it's obviously Chad, but like they also don't quite do enough about it because there's a joke that's going to appear later, whether it pays off or not, I don't really know. But they don't have him acting 
you never get to see like it slip. You he's know not what I mean? very suspicious. Yeah, he doesn't like he doesn't act one way and then look to the camera another way. There's no other hints other than he's there and it not must until be him. like the last three minutes of the show. Right. Though with this wheel spinning, Jordan, you didn't like this wheel spinning where we get to learn uh, Art the Robot's secret backstory that he didn't talk about in the pilot. Oh yeah, I wrote it down. What was? Oh, I know what it is. He uh, he said his real name is Howard Barnes. Who invented sleep? No, uh, what was it? Pillows. He, he's the inventor of smart pillows. Smart pillows. I wrote down sleep pillows, <laughs> which are all pillows. Smart pillows. Yes, he uh, apparently the robot is just a vessel for this billionaire's brainwaves because he made after he made his money on smart pillows, he invested all his wealth into immortality robots, and in a publicity stunt, had his mind transferred into art, and then had his body burnt publicly. But then the business went uh, went out of business. So I guess then he be, just started calling himself Art. And became a space hobo. Yeah, but then very quickly they go like, uh, "That is that true? It probably is not true." And they're like, "I don't know." And yeah, I like, mean, they're just like, "I guess it's true or not." Uh, we'll decide in another future episode. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, while all this nonsense is happening with his wheel spinning, Karen walks to everybody's rooms to see if they've got anything suspicious. She goes into Kent's room and finds this huge pod full of goo, very alien looking. Uh, Kent, the science yeah, it's, officer. it's like an actual like like looks almost like a glass cocoon type thing. Yeah, yeah, full of green goo. Yeah, and um, while that's happening, Kent, the space science officer, has also wandered off to use the bathroom. And Van- Vanessa, the computer, catches him trying to use a terminal, and he asks her a weird question like, "Can you do a search for me in secret?" And like, we're supposed to be like, "Oh, suspicious. What's Kent up to?" Uh, we cut back to the which again, it doesn't really work, and the reason is you know it's Chad. And you can't suspend your disbelief because we've always just proved that this guy is just odd. So him making an odd request is like, well, that it seems in line with him being an odd person. Yeah, well, and it, they don't even like play with it. There's not even this moment where like, is it him? Like they basically both the computer and Karen just walk back in the room. They're like, it's Kent. He did something weird. And then uh, we get a scene where Kent's trying to explain why he's not the alien and then why he might be the alien. And then he starts hyperventilating as he's like making these excuses. And like the crew has pulled up like a news report and they're like, look, the, the chairwoman of the UMP, it says her son's name is Brian. Your name's Kent. And he's like, is freaking out. So he opens up the collar on his shirt yeah. and he's got gills on his neck and they're like, oh, he's an alien. Mm-hmm. And they yeah. toss him in the airlock. And this is about when they finally start making Chad a suspect in this because they put him in the airlock and then as they're doing that, Chad makes this comment. He says this thing he's been saying all episode. He says, you, me, and the Bay of Monterey. Yeah. And when he says it this time, the computer says, oh, yeah, remember when we all went on vacation there? That was a nice time. Which is, it's said in the summary that he's been implanting memories in their head. They never see that. It makes no sense. The only time that even comes up is when the computer mentions this, to which Karen's just like, wait, how can a computer have a memory of going on vacation? Something's weird with Chad. And it's very funny because, and I don't know if you, you this is a big turn of the episode, which yeah. will happen later. It's basically Karen now gets tossed in the, in the airlock. So like, Chad couldn't be the villain. Karen, you must be the alien. Get in there with Kent. And then Stuart tries to stand up for sister they and they're like, too, you yeah. get in there. And they all like are like, great, now that we've caught the three aliens in the airlock, let's make Chad our captain. And they all chant Chad and walk away. And what the big reveal coming up is, is that Chad only talks in Matthew McConaughey quotes. Yeah. When did you clue into this? Honestly, my knowledge of Matthew McConaughey's oeuvre is not very high. So it took me until they mentioned it. I will tell you what happened. I was watching this show begrudgingly on my television. My roommate walks past as it's on and Dave Franco says a line. And as my roommate's walking past, he's like, oh, yeah, it's a great movie. I'm like, huh? He's just like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, it'd be a lot cooler if you did. Like, that's when Matthew McConaughey's asking for weed and Dave's confused. And I'm like, oh, yeah. 
And then immediately after that, DeFranco says, you, me, and the Bay of Monterey. He says it like three times in the show. And I'm just like, okay, well, I know that's a reference. I thought it was like a like a Casablanca-style reference mm. or something. I, I didn't realize that was supposed to be his character trait. I thought this was just going to be a joke that he likes to quote movies. So I Google that. I can't figure out what movie it's from. The only thing I find is a YouTube video of Matthew McConaughey. Someone's taping TBS on their phone, on their <laughs> off their TV, and it's him saying that line from I, I maybe Sahara or something. I have no idea what movie this is. I'm just like, okay. So what we're gonna? I was like, at this point, I figured it out. I'm like, so this character, this alien, only talks Matthew McConaughey quotes, and that becomes the big reveal here yeah. is that as they're locked in this thing, uh, they're like, we, you know, we got to get out of here. She pulls out. She's got the uh, Karen's got the cauterizing scalpel. So she can cut them out of the airlock so they can escape. And Kent like gives his big speech about why he has gills. Yeah, he was essentially like a pod person. He was grown just for his organs for his brother. Yeah, he's a he's an he's basically an organ donor for his brother. But his brother Brian recently died in a race with his coke dealer. So they've taken him out of the pod and made him a real human being like three weeks ago. Yeah. So his oddness is not due to anything other than he's had no socialization. Yeah. He's just come out of his primordial goo. Oh, and also somehow in the time in the airlock, Karen learns the lesson that feelings are important. She states it out loud, and I couldn't tell how she yeah. learned it. I mean, every episode we kind of jumped over, but both these episodes have Karen and Stuart sort of have a heart-to-heart where they both agree that the other person has qualities and they should be more like the other a little bit. Yeah. It was weird. It was just, she like states out loud. She's like, I guess feelings are important. I'm like, I don't know what prompted that, but okay. Um, they escape. They go and confront confront Chad in the, in the bridge. And it's because she has the cauterizer. That's how they break out. That's how they break out. Yes. Yeah. They break she has out the cauterizer, cauterizer that we mentioned early in the episode. She was ready because she's a prepared person. So they use it to break out. It's very important, Luke. Well, it's also very important to remember that Kent, while he was a pod person, the only thing he was allowed to do was watch old movies. So that's mm-hmm. why he knows every single McCarthy McConaughey movie, which is insane because right at the end, he's just like, I knew something was weird about him. It's because he's always quoting Matthew McConaughey. I'm like, so like, what, what, what is this reveal at the end that you always knew this, I guess? Yeah. He goes, well, wasn't, no, let me, this is going to be really nerdy. Remember in Star Trek, the next generation, remember that blue creature, the alien that has the little bit of silver thing that it always breathes into. And like Wesley was friends yeah, with yeah, it. fish face. Wasn't there an episode where it doesn't want to say there's something wrong on the ship because it's like impolite for it as an alien to say something. I don't remember. I'm that. pretty sure that's a thing. Anyways, that's what I thought of. So it must be, that was in somewhere back in my memory. That's what I thought of when that part happened. <laughs> I, anyway, they, they go to the bridge, they confront Chad because of Kent's pop culture knowledge. He's able to like, every time Chad talks, he's now the pinpoint, which movie, it's always fool's gold for some reason they keep saying yeah but so they're like ah i never saw we've got him and they're like and we know how it happened because when the goo monster got here it used our control panel and it just googled cool and in the future the first thing that comes up when you search cool is matthew mcconaughey and i was like these jokes are timeless yeah yeah and so they go they grab him they toss chad into an airlock and then they like blow him out an airlock, and he becomes a purple goo monster, and then explodes. Yeah, he kind of becomes pink and puffy, and then he explodes. And I was, I thought it looked cute. It was a good effect. Yeah, it was a cute effect. Uh, and that's uh, the end of the episode. Well, they get the replicator working, so they all get like steak oh yeah, they all get steak dinners, except for Kent because he's weird. He wants to eat the pills still. <laughs> he's so weird, Jordan. <laughs> that's right. That's right. He's weird. I don't know. Any final notes on this? No, I mean. Look, I think this show is what it is. I think it is not hitting, it's not becoming what it wants to be, but I think its expectations and aspirations are not that high to begin with. Yeah, I, I mean, think they want it to be, you sit down, turn your mind off, and they get a couple little gags while they're in space. So 
we're, uh, we're going to rate this now. My, that's where my head is at. That's what I understand. They're not trying to be. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, it, I know they're not trying to be that. Like they are a comedy that's trying to be funny. Um, and they're failing more often than they're hitting. I would agree with that. It feels like Paul Fig wrote something on a napkin and sold it for like fifty million dollars to Yahoo. Yeah, I think this show has an opposite problem of another of his properties, Ghostbusters, which I did not like. And the problem I felt with Ghostbusters, among others, was that there was way too much ad libbing, and to the point where. It didn't make sense for the characters. It didn't make sense for the scenes. You just had characters because you had these very talented actresses and they're like, well, they got to do something. So they're going to do something zany for five minutes. And I was like, well, what was the point of that scene? But they had to give them screen time. This, it almost feels the opposite where they have a script they have to stick with. And so the jokes maybe aren't that strong and they can't really play around with them in that sort of yeah. enthusiasm sort of thing. So there doesn't seem to be the same room to breathe for whatever reason. So you get, it becomes a little more stilted than it needs to be. And I feel like these performers are better than sometimes the jokes because they deliver them with a plum they're capable you, yes but yeah I, it does feel like i would say this thing i don't think there's much if any ad-libbing happening i would agree and i feel like at some point when paul fig is writing this show he's just like ah the actors will fi- find something funnier for yes, me yes and they didn't and then they were just kept on script and as a result like there are moments where someone will say i guess what this joke is and they will literally just like everyone will just stand there silently for like two beats and i like it I'm not sure if that beats is to let you absorb the joke or if the hope was like maybe the awkward silence will be funny or I know what you mean. I think it's they're going for the awkward silence. I think it's that sort of like, can you believe what I just said? And everyone doesn't know what to say. I think it's intentional. It is funny. As I was watching because it, it, this is why I say it feels so much like it feels like I'm watching a live comedy performance and someone says something and everyone's waiting for someone to one up it and then no one does. So they just move on with the scene. Right, right. Anyway, what do you want to rate the first episode into the great beyond beyond? I'm going to give it a high score, and I know it's going to be different than yours. But again, I find it so harmless and so silly. Now, I think my reviews are going to go get harder as we go on. But as a pilot, I think it was fine. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. 7 out of 10. Amazing. You're who this show is made for. Again, do I love it? No. But I think it's, it's fine, and I think... After when we get a little further into the series, we'll see if I'm it's grading on me more. But it it doesn't really bother me now. I'm just like, oh, it's fine. Listen, I think sci-fi comedy is hard, but I think it can be done well. Like it's definitely anything that can happen. And I'm willing to like accept. Like I I 100% accept this is not supposed to be anything. They're not even trying to do character comedy. They're trying to do straight up gags. Like this is just a gag delivery device. Yeah. But it is failing to even deliver those. So, like, honestly, I didn't laugh at any point in this show. <laughs> you didn't laugh when they said they wore balls around their neck? I, I there's just, like, <laughs> I would agree. You highlighted the funniest parts. Like, when he yeah. says, I would have eaten a sandwich from anywhere. Like, the actor is able to deliver that line really well. Yeah. Agreed. But, like, that's, like, the only times it happens is when a weak joke gets a good performance. Is the only time there's, like, mm-hmm. anything re- reaching vaguely toward comedy. I'm, mm-hmm. It's a two. Two. All right. All right. What do you want to? What about uh, getting to know? You know here's I'll say. I don't disagree with you on anything you're I saying. I don't think you. I don't think you do. And I'll say for people before they get angry at me, it's not that I love this show. I just find it so hard. Remember how you loved Quark? <laughs> That's what this is gonna be again. People keep telling me. People still. It's so irritating. People are like you love that Quark. I'm like I didn't love Quark. Anyway. You love other space, huh? <laughs> it's 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 just it's so fine. And it's you know what? Let me just say, there is a tendency for a lot of TV. Um, I think that has that has a gross malice to it that I don't like. Right. And that's definitely not here. That's not in here. Now, I'm not saying that you can't have a dark show or you can't have a complicated show or all these sorts of things. I just find a lot of times people are like they go for the lowest possible darkest thing because they think that is somehow nuanced. 
And right. and that's a whole other conversation. This doesn't do it, and I'm not saying it's great, but it's also like eh, it's fine. I'm gonna give the second episode a six out of ten. A six it's out fine. of ten, eh? It's fine. Oh, only down one grade because that guy didn't make out with his mom. <laughs> who's who's played by another pr- a pretty talented performer? I can't remember her name, but uh, I mean, ever, everyone in it, everyone in it. This is, is kind fine. of thing is like I feel like I'm not saying it had a huge budget for sure, but it definitely had some money. But oh, it had some money. Well, I think it had enough that when they they quashed it, people were like, no one's picked it up, so it's clearly not too, worth too the money. Too expensive to keep doing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll. I'm just gonna give it a two again. Like yeah. I think, I honestly think it's maybe. Sl- I actually think it's maybe slightly a better episode. Do you think so? Be- just in that, like, I we were out of the template of like, here's how a pilot works because yeah. it was very much just like, how what's the most basic pilot we can write? You're right. Now I I haven't looked. I don't know if you have. I haven't looked at no. the next episodes. No. I have a feeling it's not going to get much better, and I have a feeling it's not going to get much worse. I think our feelings of it will be more what we're bringing to it. I have a feeling I'm going to find it a le- little less charming as time goes on. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'm going to just, it's going to be fine. I have a feeling you're not going to get any happier about it. Oh, man. I, I've watched these first two and it's like, whew, that warp drive is looking real good these days. But, but, uh, oh, yeah, we haven't used the warp drive. However, I will say, these are short. These are 20, 22, They are still hard. They're, they're a hard watch for me. Did they you really so? are. I had to, I like, just because I have to make, I have to do, no, I'm doing my notes as I watch them. So I have to go yeah. back and I'm just like, ugh, like, and it's, it, and the problem for me is it's one of those shows where you can't tell what matters. Because there's just so much garbage. You are right. Like well, well, that's that's the point you made earlier. The jokes don't inform anything. So you're right. It's hard. To, like I mentioned that I knew the cauterizer was going to be important because it was so pointedly mentioned. Mm-hmm. But you're right. You don't know if when when the the uh, robot mentions that he used to be this pillow guy is that important, or when the computer mentions that she used to be a Hooter a Hooters program is that important? We're not sure, and it's hard to tell what is important what's not and i think that has to do a little bit with it's just the level of writing there you're right this is an early draft that went to camera probably before it was ready and the problem is really in the writing because the performances are yeah. fine and it could have used a little punch up it could have used the punch up here yeah or there. yeah all right well an auspicious start to others yeah well i mean it's it's like it's different it's very different than what we've watched this season I mean, it's yes. It's always nice to work a comedy in there. Yeah, and I tell you, when we come back to Kolchak, it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna seem amazing. Col- I mean, Kolchak's funnier than this show. <laughs> Kolchak is funnier. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that about wraps up for uh, other space for this week. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if you have anything you want to email us and let us know what's going on, occasionally we've been getting emails these days. Mm-hmm. People just like letting us know they're enjoying and it. Don't email me telling me I love other space. <laughs> I don't want that email. I'm not reading it. I'm not reading the email. Sure, you're not going to read it. I'm not going to read it. Luke will tell me if an email comes in, and I'll go, huh. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, on Instagram and Twitter, we'll have some clips from the show. I mean, probably Jamie Franco becoming a goo thing and exploding for sure. There's some cute little things. We've said this a million times for a lot of shows that are probably not very good. When you really piece them down to like a five-second clip, there are a few it, good pieces. It's all right. It is weird. I'm, I've been trying to go over my head like what I'm pulling, and it, because it's mostly the people on the ship, there's actually not a lot of like, like cool special effects to pull from. So yeah, there's a couple shots of the ship flying by, but you're right. There's not a lot other than them walking around the deck. So it'll be interesting with the pull because it's just like, am I gonna pull jokes? I think <laughs> we'll, so. We'll find out. I, I guess. think so. But that wraps up for this week. So listener, thank you for joining us. And Jordan, see you next week. Let's go get some fudge. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto.
Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rex Seedler, produced by Jordan Dulloch and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Hughes.